The following podcast contains spoilers and adult language. We recommend listening after you've already seen the movie in question, but we're not your boss. Do what you like. Brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash matineemanities. If you like what you've heard and like to hear more, consider becoming a patron. Donations start at just $1 a month, and half of all profits after hosting costs go towards actual manatee habitat preservation. Because we figured, you know, why not? Hope you enjoy the show. Really? So on 
So like Game of Thrones, for instance, somebody else is writing Jon Snow, somebody else is writing Arya, that kind of thing. Oh yeah, it's a whole separate unit. Like, there's a... I mean, basically all the different storylines are filmed in different countries, have different staff working on them, near as I can tell. Even the writing crew. Uh, I don't want to swear to it because it's just the impression I had after reading a couple articles on getting into TV writing that use that sort of stuff as an example. But I think so, yes. Oh, so... Hmm. Well, then I guess because the... The showrunners then would probably still be breaking the primary story. They would just be giving it out to people for more specific dialogue and things like that. Yeah, like the the overall arcs and the uh, the storyboarding and stuff. I think it's still done at one central writing room. But then they have to shop out different parts of it just because the sheer volume of writing all the dialogue and whatnot goes to different people. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. That's interesting. I'm down. Okay. Yeah. Now I'm trying to imagine um Something not nearly as complex, but, not, but like Seinfeld. There's a, a different writer for each character. There's a George writer and a Jerry writer. That might be true, actually. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, because I was... It's funny to imagine a separate writer for if they're all in the same scene together, but that show broke off into the four-part stories enough. Then, like in in Community, um, and Star Trek, I've heard of this a lot, they'll have like the episodes of This Is A, Whatever, this is a data episode, or this is an Annie episode, or this is an Hobbit episode, whatever, um, would usually be the same couple writers from the writer's room who, like, they always take the four because this is their pet character sort of thing. That makes sense. I can see that working, because... Even if everybody's having a joint, uh, a joint voice in kind of the, the activity, it would make sense to have that kind of consistent way of, of putting things with the actor. Yeah, so not positive, but I think that's how it goes. Um, I... Am into it. Uh, welcome back 
to matinee manatees. Internet's only podcast about movies. The only one. Uh, I'm Ben. I am Anthony. Yeah. Yeah, that's who I am. You'll remember Anthony from the, uh, Batman Forever supersized <laughs> anniversary edition, uh, 12-hour just <laughs> fest. Was that an anniversary episode? I think that was the podcast one year anniversary, or it was the anniversary of something I thought was significant and forgot to tell everyone about. What? Ben, you didn't tell me that I got to be a part of an anniversary episode. Yeah, that was, so that was June 2018, the podcast started in May 2017, but I think we skipped episodes, I think that was the 12th one. Oh dang! Well, it sounds like it was an anniversary of something very personal since you can't remember it. Might have been (laughs) celebrating finally making some money off it. That could have been the thing. Alright, well, either way, I feel pretty honored. I have another supersized three-part or one lined up. We're going to do Lord of the Rings at some point. Or we already did it with Joe and Tony. Oh, what? So, I just need to think of another excuse to drop a even longer than our already, like, four-hour-long <laughs> fucking podcast <laughs> <on someone. laughs> I think I heard some snippets of that Lord of the Rings podcast because I was home while Tony was recording and I could hear his raucous laughter down the hallway. Sometimes I think I hear Tony's raucous laughter just in the wind. (laughs) It turns out to be... Turns out to be just like a bugging or something. I I think that's gonna be one of the nicest things anyone's ever said about him. When he hears that, he's gonna he's gonna cry. (laughs) So we watch. Listen. (laughs) 
There's no... There's nothing. There's no... There's nothing in 2012. <laughs> there's no substance of any kind. Some of the reason that he does disaster movies is because he's like... I don't know how into this stuff he is, but he's at least publicly considered somebody who uh, has talked about climate change. Um, here's, a, here's the thing I want to say for Roland Emmerich before I spend the next several hours of my life pointing out that he's a bad filmmaker. Don't worry, I'm gonna be taking the exact opposite stance every step of the way. Okay. Uh, I think... A, he wants to be Michael Bay. Yes, he does. But... But... I think... His... I think he's a better person. I think his heart's closer to the right place. Not there, but closer to the right place. His heart's in a really good place. Cause you just, you can, you can see with his characters, like in Roland Emmerich movies, there's always a bunch of stereotypes and disasters and then army guys and scientist guys mm -hmm. and the scientist guys are usually pretty smart no one listens to them <laughs> that's the main difference whereas in Michael Bay movies Scientist guys are always assholes, the world needs to be saved by the quarterback. <laughs> well, he also has in most of his movies, the scientist people, they end up stepping up in the end, getting their hands dirty, but also using their intelligence to fix things. Or save yeah, as, as opposed to uh, the Michael Bay one, where illiteracy is great and mostly you want to fuck that one 18 year old yes thing. Oh, God, that's true. And then. Uh, jocks are great, nerds are terrible, and other than that, it's very similar to Roald Emmerich, except he's a little bit better at flipping cars, so I'll give him that. But, <laughs> as much as I don't like either of those film producers, I think Roald Emmerich has better movies to his name. Yes, he does. Because Michael Bay is like The Rock, and that's it, as far as really solid ones, I think. Yeah. But there 
Armageddon. Was that Michael Bay? Armageddon. Ooh, I don't know if that was Michael Bay. Who did Armageddon? Okay, also. I don't know who did Armageddon. Yeah, that was Michael Bay. Yes. Michael Bay did Armageddon. I thought it was okay. He did The Rock. I thought it was good. Everything else is bad. Yep. Roald Emmerich did Independence Day. Independence Day was the reason Fun. he got to do Godzilla. <laughs> because Independence Day was so good, I think they just gave him the most insane budget. And Stargate is the reason he was able to do Independence Day. Yeah. And I kind of like that one too. Well, it helps that also James Spader is James Spader is the scientist who speaks up. Well, actually, hold on. When Kurt Russell's, I don't think it's Kurt Russell in a watch. Because Kurt Russell is he he is soldier character that he humanizes. Yeah. So that actually, that's probably Stargate's probably his most toned down movie. It's also his first success. Just, I like a lot of things about it. I mean, it does that ancient aliens bullshit where every old thing that wasn't made by white people is made by aliens. But then it has kind of cool claymation helmet things. Oh, yeah, that was pretty cool. Possessy. Alien guy. I don't like possessy alien guys because you save on costumes and it's scary. Um, and it spawned a really, uh, I think we can all agree, great and unimpeachable series. You know, I I didn't watch enough of it to be able to make fun of it. I know my roommates <laughs> in college really liked it. And I thought it was a solid enough premise as far as a weekly sort of Monster of the Week show goes. That it could have been pretty good, but I never saw if it was. I think it's probably CW level. But because the premise of the movie and the show is that, like, they find this Stargate, it's networked to another one, and in the show, they want to explore every node on that network, so they keep coming through to places with humans and on them 
because they were separated in the old ancient world times. So yeah. again, you save a lot of money on aliens instead of the Star Trek excuse of like, well, they're all, you know, they all evolved the same way. Yeah, I was about to say, guys. wasn't Star Trek's whole thing that the next generation put some retcon history in? Yeah, the next generation did this like panspermia episode where they posited that uh, there was a common ancestor X number of million years ago that was distributed by mysterious entity and that's why so many things look similar. Yeah. Um, which is better than nothing. Hey, next generation gave it a, gave it a go. Yeah. But, Stargates is much better, which is like, I don't know, the rest 12,000 years ago, like, fuck off. But, you're right, Ben, I agree with you, this movie was made by Roland Emmerich. <laughs> so, am I getting off task on my podcast? <laughs> no, I do. I was just, I was just, from, I was, I always try to remember where, where my tangents start eventually. As an IMDB score of 5.3 stars, Rotten Tomato score of 16%. Oh, that's not fair. But a 28% audience appreciation score, that's pretty fair, I think. Alright, alright. A Metacritic score of 32, and 3.5 stars on Amazon. Wait, out of what? Five. That checks out. That is damning. Because every movie, every piece of media put to film has four stars on Amazon. So 3.5 is a death. Is that factual? Is that like, uh, is that like the rating system on Lyft and Uber, if it's not like a almost perfect score, it's bad. It seems to be. I mean, running gag is that almost every movie we've done on this podcast is four out of five stars on Amazon. Oh my god. Give me an example. 
Resident Evil? Is that F5? Does Resident Evil have five? No, it has four out of five. Oh, Everything has four. four out of five. Oh, sorry, I misheard you. Okay. Now, Resident Evil, four out of five. Okay, I agree. Uh, Amazon.com, I can prove it for you right now. Resident Evil. The movie. Uh, so many games. I know. Oh, Resident Evil the movie has four and a half stars out of five. Oh my god. There was like a ten year gap between that first and second movie. That's all I'm gonna say on the subject. Um Well, we did a Resident Evil episode. I'm getting the entire series episode sometime when I watched the rest of the series. Oh yeah. Uh, one of the first things I did when I moved to Alaska was, I think, the third Resident Evil was coming out while we were up there, and so did a full-on Resident Evil night, played the game, watched all the movies, went to go see it the next morning. I was, I was all in. I was all in. You and Tommy made me see that 3D one in theaters one time. Oh, don't blame Tommy for that. I don't think he was involved. I think that was you, me, Joe, and Ben. Oh, you're Ben. You're Ben. <laughs> Garrett. I went to say Garrett. You and Garrett are the same person in my head. <laughs> more okay with that than I would be with a lot of people. But... Yeah, that was a really terrible theater experience, uh, in all honesty. That movie was real bad. Well, with those, those guys in front of us were kind of to hotbox the entire place for us. That was pretty nice. That's <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, it's just humble courtesy. Humboldt's a great place, everyone should visit. It's a really wonderful place. Don't visit it, I like it. I would never want to be too packed with people. Actually, that's fair. Stay in San Francisco, <laughs> masters. <laughs> um, yeah. Starring! Oh, yay, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready, I'm ready. Starring Matthew Broderick, who you may know from Ferris Bueller's Say Off, War Games, uh, The Producers, 
he was in glory for some reason. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he was a lot he's he did a lot of stuff on Broadway. He's like a big theater guy. Yeah, he got chased by Godzilla on Broadway. But oh ho ho! Relevant. My personal favorite from this movie. Name, I still don't know how it's pronounced. I've seen him in so many things and I heard him use his real name. Jean Renault, I assume? But it oh, could be John Reno? Jane Reno? I think since he's an American movie, we can just call him John Reno. I think it's John Reno. But. Uh, Leon the Professional. Also, Ronan and the Knight from Just Visiting. Mm. I think he frankly carries this movie. It was a really nice surprise. I forgot that he was in it. And I didn't see his name in the opening credits. So when he just shows up, I got so excited. Uh, he's, he's the best. Second best, I thought, was Hank Azaria. You mean Animal? Yeah, playing the New York Italian stereotype. <laughs> uh, Hank Azaria from The Simpsons and Mystery Men and The Birdcage. I think his title character in Brockmire, which I've never seen, but that's apparently his big role right now. Hmm. And also starring uh, Maria Patillo, who was in Godzilla and. <laughs> She played someone named Paula in an episode of Will and Grace. She also played someone named Paula in an episode of Alan McBeal. Uh, she played... This is the Audrey character. Deborah and Natural Born Heroes. No, Natural Born Killers. Yeah, this is the ex girlfriend. Okay, okay. She played Laura in an episode of Friends. Oh, Friends. <laughs> She's kind of just. Actually, she was in a show called Providence in a bunch of episodes. Oh, okay. Oh, and there's a picture of her here with your buddy, uh, Robert Downey Jr. Uh, is that from... Chaplin. She was in Chaplin? Apparently. Oh, she was in Chaplin. Uh, 
was Chaplin. He looks young. Chaplin was late 90s. Or mid, because I think I was like eight. I'm finding it, but there's a picture here. Oh, she was Mary Pickford. Never heard of her. Oh, I've never seen the movie, but her career didn't quite take off the way everyone else's did. I, I guess everyone else's was already big before this movie. But it looked like she was mostly a TV actor and then broke into movies and landed in Godzilla. And that was kind of that this story. I think this is probably got a figure uh, as an actor, you see this script, and then it's got a huge budget. You think this could be a blockbuster break for you. I don't know, I mean, do it, obviously, do it. Oh, yeah. Do the, do the job, but. You know, and she. Her character is very bad. Yes. I don't think it's her fault because the writing, I can't picture like any A-list actor you put in that role who makes it good. <laughs> so, I think she might have like a... Uh, that kid who played Anakin Skywalker problem, where like, it's not her fault, but you're not coming back from that. Oh, Hayden Christensen. Yeah, I've seen him as one of the things. He's fine. It's just, you know. He's in a family drama that I remember thinking was decent. I mean, that director made the guy from Train Spotting and the guy from Pulp Fiction look bad. It's not his fault. I know. I'm just double checking because I wanted to confirm this. I, when I was watching it, I, I was thinking Roland Emmerich had to be a writer on this. He definitely was. I don't recognize the guy who wrote it with him. guessing it looks like he just co-writes. I'm going through his IMDB. Looks like he just co-writes on things. Yeah, <laughs> Roland he, Emmerich. He's, he's a teammate of Roland Emmerich. Like he co-wrote on Independence Day and Stargate and Universal Soldier and most 
stuff seems like. Wait a minute. I'm just finally... It's just finally dawning on me that Universal Soldier... Yeah, with Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren? I didn't know this was a Roland Emmerich movie. Makes sense when you think about it. This just changed my life. Being both a Jean-Claude Van Damme fan as a child and a Roland Emmerich fan as an adult. <laughs> Also, I don't 
know if the Rocketeer holds up. I wonder if it does. We'll probably get to eventually. We've been watching a lot of the pulps. Well, we've watched two of the pulps uh, for this show. So that would be next on that list if we keep doing that. I don't remember they think um there's it wasn't like a uh major character actor but the guy who played the general who was initially uh kind of flippant about Totopolis and then came around to Totopolis. He's dad from Transformers. Yes, okay. Yeah, that guy. He's 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 (laughs) still a working actor today. He's just kind of one of those guys who you recognize because he's in a lot but he's not usually the lead. Then Paul Verhoeven, that I will want to see. Who's that? Of Robocop and Starship Troopers oh, and Total Recall. Oh my god, what? That would have been a movie. Okay, that's but a game changer. They went through him too. It was John DeBont for a minute of Speed and Twister. Oh, okay. Awesome. And uh, he was like, oh, because his budget was too high. He won like $150 million. They wound up spending 130 But they thought they could get done cheaper at that point. They finally landed on Roald Emmerich, who didn't much like the source material of the original Godzilla, which is always a great fucking sign. Yeah. I don't know why they keep doing that ever in the first place. Yeah, didn't he want, like, full, like, full creative control? He wanted to be able to change it however he wanted. They apparently got a bunch of rules, like, from Toho about things they couldn't do. And he technically followed them, but sort of got as close as he could to not following them. Which is a whole... Like, I forget what all they were, but like, Godzilla can't eat people, so... Okay, he eats cars and his, his velociraptor children eat people. <laughs> um, and Godzilla can't be dead at the end, so they kill Godzilla, but have one of his kids survive or something. Like, it's a whole... Uh, 
uh, yeah, it's, it, it was pretty shamelessly making velociraptors. Well, he didn't, that's the problem, it's like he didn't want to make a Godzilla movie, he wanted to make Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. And if you, I mean, they take so many scenes directly from it, and if you actually look at the, did you watch any of the commercials or remember any of the commercials? I don't really. I remember the animated series. Oh, that was another thing I wanted to mention. So they did make a... It did spawn a series, which is apparently pretty good. I never watched it myself, but I know it was made by the same guys who made... Um... Jackie Chan, I think. Jackie Chan Adventures, Extreme Ghostbusters, yep. Big Guy and Rusty the Boy Robot, which is my favorite cartoon of the era, Men in Black, the series, yeah. and The Batman, there was, which uh, wasn't as good as Batman the Animated Series, but did do that. Batman vs. Dracula movie that I bought and made you watch it at a party one time. I do remember that. Yeah, that yeah, was a pretty kind place. of iconic uh, animation team for a while. They did a lot of stuff that I remember. Yeah, but a really distinctive style that sort of shines through. I like it a lot. But, sorry, shit, what were we talking about? Oh, God, we got derailed by the, by the, by the cartoon. Um, right, okay. But, so he, he didn't, He didn't like the original source material, and I right. generally respect that I'm going to do my own thing with this uh, notion in general. But when you get your hands on IP, it seems like it's this important to so many people, particularly in different culture, it seems pretty selfish. Because Japan... It's not a monolithic entity, but it was super unpopular in Japan, and I kind of see why. Oh, yeah, didn't, uh, they put this version of Godzilla in one of the more recent movies, I thought, too. Oh, yeah, he was in, um, I wrote this down. Uh, Godzilla Final Wars in 2004. Yeah, it was uh, just like tons Godzilla of them. Godzilla fights Godzilla, which is what they call this one. And I've seen the entire scene on YouTube, and the entire fight is about 13 seconds. <laughs> Because he's fighting all those monsters, 
are all these monsters that just kills this one kind of incidentally. It's pretty funny. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they didn't but, like it. Well, no, it, and Roland Emmerich didn't like it because he wanted to make a Jurassic Park movie. And the commercials, like, they kept talking about how much bigger Godzilla was than the CGI T-Rex from Jurassic Park. Like, that's why that movie was good. If you remember they had that one where it was like the dinosaur skeleton museum and Godzilla's foot comes down out of the ceiling and destroys it and they're like, size matters or something and it doesn't. It's a cartoon. I think they kept that tagline for the uh, fast food tie-in as well. <laughs> and there's a fast food tie-in for instance. Of course there was. That was the thing. I don't know if that happens anymore these days because I'm just not paying attention. But I know that was definitely a thing for a lot of blockbusters when we were younger. Do they still I do that, that? Yeah, that was... I remember they did it for, like, Batman Forever. Yeah, you and I talked about those cool frosted glasses. And I remember they did it for Men in Black. They did it for Jurassic Park. I don't know if that still happens anymore, though. I don't even McDonald's stuff anymore. Yeah. I mean, I'm in a rich, rich person town now and I can't find one. <laughs> I thought rich people like McDonald's too. But they do, just not where they live. Oh, fair. Yeah. Really brings down the property value. But it was technically a success because it cost 130 million, made 379 worldwide. Although only made six million, or made 136 million dollars, but cost 130 locally. Oh my gosh! So didn't that great. A very loose remake of 1954's Godzilla's sort of follows the same plot line. Doesn't have that Godzilla theme song that I like so much. Don't know if I know that theme song. It's just, it's a, uh, it's a sting. Like, it can loop every 15 seconds and sort of builds on itself, but doesn't ever switch to a, I don't know the music terminology at all, but it feels like a build and just sort of keeps building. Can you hum it? Uh, 
but you know people, you listen to movies. No, it's more than who you know. I want to float in the background being eaten by a dinosaur. I, uh, I legitimately, when the first season came out of Walking Dead, I, uh, I tried to get, like, you know, they would have the commercials where you get the words and then you'd, you'd email it or, or do something on Facebook to be out to be a zombie. Lobby to evil main character. I wanted to be a zombie. That's fine when the show still had some promise. Well, that was dope. Uh, I, I, I signed up out of high school for those like extras casting things where it's, you know, like uh, $9 gear headshot added to a bunch and then have your search tags so if they're filming in the general area they need a guy who's, you know, approximately this height, this weight, has beard, doesn't have beard, stuff like that. Uh, but nothing ever came of it. Uh, because, of course, it <laughs> I have to show you, I'm not... <laughs> I don't want to get too into it here, but I had, I filmed this audition video for this work-related thing. Um, I will link you later. <laughs> it was one of the most embarrassing things I've ever done. I want that. I will <laughs> not put it on the, the show's website, but I, I want to see it just for me. Oh, yeah. Were we going to try to get on The Amazing Race at one point that never did? You know, it's just like trying to download that codec thing. Because <laughs> it's so easy to just make an audition video and we didn't. Listen, you have to, I'll download and send it to you if you want, but you have to get the codec. I know, I'm gonna get the codec. I hate the codec. <laughs> I hate it so much. It's a free software, man. I'm really uh, aggravated about it. Okay. Okay. So, okay, my main thought, my first thought, I would have liked this movie a lot better if it switched Hank Azaria and Matthew Broderick. Interesting. 
he could have been the lead. I don't think Broderick can carry it. He can carry a lot of movies, but not as this type of character. And we know Hank Azaria could pull off Nerdy Scientist, too. He can pull off anything. He's amazing. He's really unexpectedly amazing. He's basically an action hero in this movie. Yeah, no, he was he was basically an action hero in Mystery Men. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen that many things, but uh I think about like month. Besides him as a voice actor on Simpsons, still in my head, uh, he's just a, like, neighbor character on Mad About You, which I, I don't... Was that him? Yeah, I think he was, he was some sort of friendly neighbor character. I don't remember the show very much, but I, I remember that he was on there. And he was not an action hero. Uh, well, I just, I just thought I had more charisma than anyone else except John Renault in this one. Well, John Reno, and I'm gonna keep saying it with a hard American accent because he's a piece the best. (laughs) He's wonderful. Just I've never seen a movie with him that I didn't like because of him. Seriously, my face, if if I was being filmed or just somebody was in the room with me, you would have seen my face light up when I saw him come onto the screen. <laughs> I was so excited. Wasn't enough to save the movie, but... I did hold out hope for a brief instant that he would save the movie. John Reno was one of the first actors that I ever noticed was cast in a video game. It was was one of those um, samurai video games. John Reno, and then I believe a famous Japanese actor were were both cast like so their their likenesses were just Onimusha, Onimusha three, I think. I didn't even look that one up. I just I remember that. Yeah, he was like the. The samurai guy was like 
sucked into hell or something and went to the future or commuting with Sunday in the future or something? All of that sounds possible for that series. It's like Resident Evil with Samurai, right? That was weird. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, John Reno, oh, ahead of his time. He was doing good stuff. The... One... Okay. One of the things... This is a really tiny thing, but it brings me joy. Because, obviously... So I, I am aware that when I say I love Roland Emmerich... Roland Emmerich is not a, is not like a filmmaker. He's just a really efficient. He's just a really efficient movie maker. Uh huh. But right. I, I get the distinction. But I really like disaster movies also, and. Being somebody who loves cinema, I can also appreciate, like, if it's, if it's fun enough, I can appreciate a well, like, made efficient movie. Because I can see, because there's also talent in, like, being able to figure out, like, how to just make something sensible for mass audience. Like, there's, there's some talent required there. But was this one fun enough? Um... Mostly no, but one of the things <laughs> that I love is just the beginning of like every Roland Emmerich movie is where they do the they do the the little um, text, the typewriter computer text to show you where you are. And it either has typewriter or computer clacking noises as it types itself out. It's like the city that never sleeps. Okay. Well, first of all, I'm just always excited when I see that because I know I'm down for a globe trotting tromping a globe globe trotting romp I'm psyched about it but but yes that stupid that stupid one like 20 minutes in the middle of the movie it was like a series push in the late 90s for everyone who wasn't in New York to like New York. 
I remember that was like... Well, that was part of New York's whole branding thing, because remember the 70s and 80s New York was super dangerous. There was like gang wars, you couldn't go on the subway. And in the 90s, that's when New York got Disney-fied, and I think... And like NBC's in New York, so they kept doing a bunch of shows about themselves and wanting to film outside and like mm-hmm. every sitcom for a solid ten years there was people living in an apartment they couldn't afford in New York. I think that I think the whoever the tourism industry of New York like they they start putting money behind rebranding. It's the same way that that countries will give subsidies or something to airlines to make costs cheaper for people to visit. <laughs> I think there is a whole rebranding yeah, attempt in a in the night. I shouldn't know. I should have no idea that New York, one of its 15 self-described nicknames, is the city that never sleeps. But I do, because of that shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I saw the opening text and I was like, Bam, I'm watching a Roland Emmerich movie. Excellent. I'm about to have a primer for the kind of disaster that's going to be in the rest of the movie. I was in. It doesn't start with text. It starts with this, like, grainy video of random beaches and a nuclear testing sign and iguanas and kaboodle dragons and a, a random third lizard and this scene it goes on for I think 27 minutes <laughs> it's just sort of orange I remember when you like, if you actually watch it in a physical copy, you have to get, it's a two disc set, and one disc is this scene. (laughs) (laughs) Because... It's like the Titanic VHS set. (laughs) Yeah, because it's, it's, it's island. Lizard staring angrily at something. A sign and or chart and or uh, clipboard saying we're gonna do nuclear tests on this island. <laughs> cut to beach, cut to angry lizard, cut to sign or clipboard something. Cut to trees, cut to angry lizards. And then they cut to multiple lizards. 
After that with multiple episodes of yeah. scene. And then all the lizards <laughs> die. And there's just one single egg. Which is exactly how the movie ends. Spoiler. Three. Three hours. And there's an explosion. <laughs> Japanese, and in case you don't know the Japanese right away, he's watching sumo wrestling <laughs> on a television set in the cabin. There's one word on screen, the name of the network is called Nippon, and there's a Japanese flag. So it's Japanese boat. Which for some reason... For some reason... Wasn't this near... This was near Europe, right? Where the boat gets attacked? This is near French Polynesia. Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah. I have trouble with the island nations. Like, I don't. I'm not good with. all that stuff. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Like, the, the tropics to me are a band around the world. I don't know which. Parts are in the Pacific or the Atlantic or anything. It's just well, this is Hawaii's left and like Cuba's right. That's all. This is Roland Emmerich's efficient movie making style. Not saying, not saying it's a bold choice or a good choice. But you know, I I only kind of see him through the lens of a guy who makes disaster movies. So, but it's also he's making a movie that has to pay homage somewhat to like the whole the whole mythology of Godzilla. But he chooses to, to chooses to do that by just having it be a Japanese boat that is attacked. Calls now it we're there. and sorry. He's like, all right, cool. That's enough of a reference. Were there subtitles in your version? Because in mine there weren't. They were just. Speaking of foreign language. No, so yeah, he does that. He 
doesn't put subtitles over that, over the Japanese one, and he doesn't put subtitles over the French conversations either. Yeah, so it's just yeah. a scene where people are. I mean, I guess maybe he's punching us for being monolingual. That's fine. I speak several languages, thank you very much, but I'm a from Japanese, <laughs> so I don't know. There's, um, I didn't know, I'm guessing that was a choice, I don't totally, I don't totally know what the choice was. In the case of John Reno's character, I think the choice was that he was supposed to be kind of mysterious, so having you see things that he was doing when he first, well, I'm getting ahead of myself, maybe I should wait wait to talk about that, right? Yeah, I'm just just going through the play-by-play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, Claws come through the wall and tail hits the bridge. They're they're doing the same thing as the advertising for the movie, where they don't show you the monster because they know it doesn't look good. <laughs> and they're hoping that by the time you big reveal, you'll be invested, but you won't be. <laughs> so that's the. Uh... No way, man. That's classic disaster movie. This is, you know, this is. You gotta have all the birds fall and die from the sky, or. You have to have the water boil to tell you that eventually the volcano's gonna go off later. Uh, They're they're trying to be coy about it. They're like, we don't know what this is. Something's going on. And like, what could it be? The problem is the name of the movie is fucking Godzilla. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it doesn't, doesn't work. The name of the Volcano movie starring Tommy Lee Jones was just Volcano. <laughs> they still tried to build some suspense. Yeah, that's because wasn't Tommy Lee Jones like trying to figure out a mystery in the movie? Uh, Whereas in this one, everyone on screen knows exactly what's happening. They're being attacked by a giant lizard they have a name for. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Sudden cut to Matthew Broderick singing in a car like a weirdo. Oh, it's because he's a, he's a mu- musical theater. It's because he's actually a very good singer. Yeah. 
Uh, they're like, he does Broadway. Let's use that for a minute. I'm not saying it's weird to sing. <laughs> I'm not saying that Matthew Broad doesn't sing well. I'm saying it's a very clear demonstration of we have an actor who can sing, so let's <laughs> dedicate some time to it. And I was like, I, I sing to myself when I'm doing stuff. I don't project to the camera. This is always for me, but maybe it's fine. You got somebody who can sing? It's a circus. You use that singing. That's fair. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> so he lives in Chernobyl. He's in. He's in radioactive rain right now. I don't know that much radiation. I think that's the most dangerous time to be anywhere radioactive is when it's being beaded into water and washed from the sky onto you, but he's there. He should be 17% bigger, but he's not. <laughs> the car battery to bother worms. That's his job. To bother them. Not study them. He's just going around trying to bother them. I just, well, I just... I remembered it because I know later on... Well, I'll get to it later on. Yeah, he's, he's sticking prods from his, his car battery into the ground and shocking them so they can't hang out in the ground. They have to come out and, and he scoops them up and sees that they're bigger. And then, uh, because he so badly wants... making Jurassic Park, we have our first big helicopter comes down and blows all the research away. Oh, yeah. Uh, scene. Because they did that in, in the, the Dr. Grant uh, L.E. Yes. Yeah. But Sadler, Sadler, but Sadler, these thanks. two guys in this movie, they are no John Hammond. Mm -mm. I did notice there's so the two guys that are coming to take uh, Nick Tatopoulos. Uh, that's that's. The running, which you can, you can kind of just say like a word. You could just say it. It doesn't have to be. It's Hold on, I wrote, I wrote two down because I thought it was so ridiculous. Because I had, I always 
usually watch my movies with subtitles, so one person says, Tetopolis. One person says, Tapapopolis. Tetopolis, I feel like, is a pretty easy thing to get. So just this running gag that I only come around screen class names. It's in a lot of movies. There are some very long multisyllabic Greek class names where it's still a weird joke, but it's okay. Some people can't be ours to do anything like Bob Joe steak and potatoes. But this isn't even a hard one. It's three syllables long. It's Tetopolis. Is this... Is this a Roland Emmerich thing? Because he thinks that just Americans... He just thinks we're stupid. Well, he... I mean... A, probably yes, but he's named after, <laughs> I think, one of the guys who did the creature design for the new Godzilla was named Tetopolis. He's in the credits. Oh, uh, uh, this so might be anecdotal. And there, yeah, I think there was a time when someone couldn't pronounce his last name or something. He was like, that's funny, let's do that a bunch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, use what you got. Matthew Broderick can sing. We have a guy who had a bad name story. Put it in the movie. Oh yeah, we got a French guy. What if being French was everything that happens around him? <laughs> I genuinely <laughs> It's so stupid. I genuinely loved the scene where with the donut where they talk about croissants and bad coffee. They didn't have a croissant. There's like, America. <laughs> Always donuts. <laughs> they call these coffee. Did you notice that all of the uh, his moogs were all named Jean something? There's Jean Philippe and Jean Luc <laughs> and Jean Renaud and Jean. <laughs> I didn't, but that makes me love. I have a really just. I feel like this is gonna be true of I think every movie I do on this podcast with you. I have a love hate relationship with this movie. <laughs> there was. There was Jean-Pierre, Jean-Philippe, Jean-Claude, and Jean-Luc. For all of his henchmen. That is amazing. That is what... That is... 
I'm gonna go watch the movie again. The worst. All the worst. Things you can do. Okay. I, I need to come down. I need us to get to the part where John Reno comes into the show. The big helicopter comes to Jurassic Park some away. Cut to Tahiti or something. We're trying to build tension. This is where the French guys are saying something French because they have a guy from that first boat and no subtitles. No. He so survived John the attack. Yeah. And he walks in and he's saying French things to a French guy. And they say more French things. Okay. Then okay. switches to English. So this scene, hold on. So he yes. comes in and this this surviving Japanese sailor is just like catatonic and I think he's just saying Koshira Koshira right? Yes. Yeah, okay. And we're saying nothing in He's saying nothing. Yes. Okay. So what is that about? So then John Reno pulls out a lighter and does some sort of like French magic trick to get the guy to to stop being catatonic. I don't know if we're supposed to notice something about the fire. Is it like, because they do it right after they confirm with the little what do you call it? Geiger counter? The Geiger counter. Uh, that the guy is super radioactive and then he pulls out the lighter as if to like does fire behave differently in radiation or something that I should know about Patel? I don't know, I just think that John Reno knows some sort of weird magic well he knows that the Japanese sailor will probably speak English if he doesn't speak French. So he asks this question in English. That's true. And the answer is Kajira. Well, I didn't know what that was, I didn't know what that was about. And I didn't... Because at that point, we don't see Godzilla shoot fire, which he technically doesn't in this movie at all. No, he keeps coughing into existing flames and he's got like too much whiskey out of his breath and they explode. <laughs> it makes no sense. 
do with having him shoot fire without shooting fire. Yeah, I don't... Okay. In the cartoon, he just shoots fire. Yeah. Because Godzilla shoots fire. Yeah. Yeah, okay. This is a dragon, not a dinosaur. Thank you. And, okay, is God... Is Godzilla a he? Uh, in this one, he's an asexual, reproducing via, uh, term to bring up. Okay, that fire thing confused the crap out of me, but John Reno is a magician. I'm okay with that. Um, I don't think I really, even though there was a giant assault on a ship, I don't think I really noticed the budget until the scene after, where I th- is. Am I correct in remembering that that's where uh, Matthew Broderick's character is walking across the army camp and there's like helicopters flying all over the place and I think it's like a dolly panning shot. Yeah, the next one's like Panama. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, this is a lot of practical stuff. There is a budget. You guys spent a lot of money on military guy extras. <laughs> this looks official. come out. That was like four or five years before this, right? I feel like Jurassic Park was 1993 or 1994, but I don't know for certain. Yeah, 1993. So it's been five years. This movie should look better than Jurassic Park does. Really? But, you know, in... In this movie's defense, a lot of movies should have looked better than Jurassic Park by that time. Hell, by this time, and some of the stuff in that movie still looks surprisingly good. Such as... Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum fucks the same. 
He looks exactly... No, no he doesn't. <laughs> I know. He I'm, looks... I know. Better, I think. He's like cheese. He's like cheese and wine and whiskey. Yeah, the budget for Jurassic Park was $63 billion. This was $130 million. Wow. Inflation's a little bit there. And that's when Steven Spielberg was still on his game, too. Have all those things sucked lately? Um... I don't, I don't know how much... I don't know. I feel like even if he's credited as as a director these days, he's more like an executive producer. <laughs> so he did Bridge of Spies, that was pretty good. Oh, uh, you know, I haven't seen that. So maybe I just need to see some of this stuff that's not like openly a blockbuster. Trapeo's recent. Yeah, I don't know. Didn't he do something with Tom Hanks? <laughs> of course he did. That's precious spot. I know, that's everything. Uh, and Ray Player One. I didn't actually see that one. Yeah, I don't know how much, how anybody could really direct that. That was just, like, letting a bunch of nerds who work for graphic art studios just make a movie and then editing it together. That could be fun, honestly. <laughs> Uh, well, watch the movie. We'll see how you feel about it. Yeah, well, I already know I don't like it. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I haven't seen it and know I hate it because I'm that kind of person. Okay, <laughs> uh, so the cut to Panama. Everybody can't pronounce Greek names. Ha 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 ha. It's my note. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so he studies radioactive embiggening in worms and their big fit footprints, and he doesn't know what's going on. And that's the whole scene. One dude has a summer cold. I wrote that down because I expected that to have something come of it, but it was just a random comment. You've got these two characters, nothing comes of either of them. At all. There's, uh, there's that lady from news radio. Mm-hmm. 
his boss. Yeah. He's just like sexually harassing him for the minute he shows up, but it's fine, I guess. Yeah, I have some comments about that, but it's after the next two scenes, so. There's like a full-on Me Too moment in like the... Well, whatever, let's get to it. Yes, yeah, nothing yeah. important happens to the scene. Nothing. staying around the sunshine. Someone has a summer cold. Lizard footprints. They aren't even well done. Like, I was looking at the footprints. They only have, like, four months period of time, and they messed up. Yeah. Like, this monster takes three steps, hops on one leg twice, and keeps going. And, like, one job. Whatever, it's fine. Yeah, the it, this movie is notorious and was notorious even when it came out for the shifting scale of Godzilla. <laughs> right, like it's yeah, like yeah. Have a model in your head at least. Yeah. Um. When we get to the dock scene, uh, that's where you really see the scale start becoming an issue. I mean, it was also an issue in, like, well, listen, they also did a, a, a fairly lackluster radioactive monster movie in Angley's The Hulk a couple years later. Mm-hmm. But he, him randomly shifting size was a plot point. They should have just done that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it takes one throwaway line cover for that lack of special effects knowledge. It's like, oh, I thought he was 50 meters tall. He's not 80 meters tall now. Oh, holy shit balls. But they don't do it. Yeah. Because they're not smart enough. The first thing I thought was that Roland Emmerich, he's not going anywhere if he's making this kind of garbage. He's knowing me. <laughs> the first thing. The first thing that the Roland Emmerich knowingly in my book. It's like I know my radioactive big green monsters destroying <laughs> cities, and you, sir. Are no Angley's the Hulk. Could you imagine? Angley. I'm not sorry, not Angley. Um, could you imagine Roland Emmerich doing Brokeback Mountain? <laughs> yes. Yes, I can. I think it would have been. I think it would have been so good. I think. 
mean, a bunch of stuff would have been destroyed and there'd be a villain. Roland Emmerich doing Brokeback Mountain would just be James Cameron's Titanic. <laughs> That's what it would It would have been great. Oh, okay. Alright. Cut to. As a future mental exercise, swap Ang Lee and Roland Emmerich's entire careers and then just play that thought exercise out just later. Alright, continue. I mean, I'm, d- I'm doing cartoonishly and switching styles, <laughs> but the crouching tiger hidden dragon. Godzilla movie would have been fantastic. I know. Like, it's not. It's not helicopters. It's a martial artist who's 300 years old, played by a 37 year old actor. It's just kind of working his way up to stab him in the eye. Regret. Um. Yeah, so in the uh, in the scene that follows the the sexist newsroom scene, I don't even think we find out that the woman's name is Audrey. I don't think we find out her name is Audrey until like several scenes later. Uh, I didn't know. I don't know anyone's name except Nico Topples and Animal, though, honestly. Uh, you don't even find out that Animal has a name until his, like, fourth scene. Yeah, I know his nickname. I don't know any female character's name. I know Nico Tatapos because they make gags about not being able to pronounce it. I don't know Animal's real name. I don't well, know the boss's real name. Animal's real name is Victor, but we can just call him Hank Azaria. And I, I, I know the mayor's name because it's Siskel Neighbor. That's it. Also, the mayor is just amazing. <laughs> I love the mayor. So in this scene we've got overworked and overwhelmed April O'Neil type. April O'Neil from Teaching Turtles one and two, not not the porn star. But without uh, without the get up and go attitude, at least immediately that April O'Neil has. No, but but the same same general 
most I'm just comparing because they're both in New York and they both have a slight accent. They both debuted on screen carrying a bunch of things in bags. That's true. Because that's how you are overwhelmed is you're physically carrying too many things for your arms. <laughs> um, in the language of bad film, it's just a shortcut. Efficient film, Benjamin. Efficient film. In language of efficient uh, master class. Nineties <laughs> uh, of it. And she wants to be a reporter, but she can't be a reporter because working at a TV station for eight years doesn't make you a reporter. And then her boss is like, maybe I'll be nicer to you if you just straight have sex with me. Yeah, <laughs> straight up. Although that was a weird dynamic too, because if, if I if I understood the conversation, she had asked him to speak on her behalf, and the, to this other person of importance. And the guy had already, and then all she wants to know is what the outcome of that conversation was. And to find out the outcome of the conversation, that's what the news anchor wanted the sex for. Puts it all out there. It's like, well, I enjoy cheating on my wife. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, we have a pretty clear. I think he's technically the villain of the movie. No, and like, he's terrible, but he's also. It's. It's played for laughs. It's too direct and not nearly insidious enough. <laughs> but it's... I mean, maybe that's good. I don't know. But it's... Like, it's outrageous and not creepy. And I think exactly totally wrong. <laughs> This he seems like a bit This scene and I I don't know if it was intentional or not. So you have this scene where the the main character of this scene, Audrey, is being treated as a set or just a blatantly a sexual object 
by her boss, and and it's like basically, if she wants career advancement, then she has to give a sexual favor, pretty much. And then the immediate scene after, there's already been like a precedent set for this, but the... the... Um, Matthew Broderick's boss, the, the woman from news radio, she's treating him like a piece of meat, but the difference is that he got career advancement he didn't want, and is perfectly fine with the sexual advances. <laughs> so it's like, it's, it's oddly enough the exact same scene, but just seen through different lenses of gender. Yeah, well... Yeah. It caught me off guard because it seemed more aware than I think the movie actually is. Well, it seemed like they were trying to do something that becomes clear they're not trying to do anything. Yes. Because, like, I think what it actually is, they just only have one possible work dynamic that they're able to write between a boss and a, and somebody who works below them. And that's potentially troubling because I wonder if that's just the way Roland Emmerich treats people who work for him. Yeah, I haven't heard anything, but maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Well, stay tuned. Listen, Matt named his prediction for 2020. Uh, Roald Emmerich gets me too. No! The no! I really hope that none of that is a reality. I mean, if he's legitimately done bad things, I want it to be a reality that he gets called out. I just oh hope God. that he hasn't done any bad things. I'm pretty positive. I'm pretty positive he's a great person. No, he, he seems like a good nature oaf, but I have no idea. Michael Bay has done terrible things, I'll tell you that right now. Would you, like, you know how sometimes you see, um, oh, how can I not remember this guy's name? The person who, um, who wrote Hamilton. Lin-Manuel Miranda? Yeah, so 
he is often using this website to get donations for causes that he's passionate about and then if you donate you get entered into a chance to win uh like to go see the show and then have dinner with them uh would you donate to a cause to go see <laughs> to see uh opening night Roland Emmerich movie and have dinner with him? Cause I would. Uh, I would in a heartbeat. Yes, but uh, mostly just cause he seems like the sort of guy who will put his friends in his movies. And I would like to die in a Roland Emmerich movie. Yes! That, oh my god, I never, Ben, you just put something, a desire that I've had unsaid in my heart because I didn't know what the words were, you just expressed it. I want to yeah, die in a Roland Emmerich movie. I want to get impaled by falling Chrysler building chunks in Roland Emmerich I'll let Roland Emmerich kill me however he wants to. Sure, you could be fishing off a pier, get at. You could be in a taxi and get at. You could be, uh, uh, be Driven past by. I never remember his name from 2012 and get it. John Cusack. John Cusack, thank you. Yes. Speaking of, you seen Dragon Boy? No, but the name okay. sounds wonderful. It's Jackie Chan and John Cusack, and it's the worst movie ever made. What? Hold on. I... Mm -hmm. I actually now need to make sure I make a note of this. Dragon Blade? Yeah, the, uh, the, the Adrian Brody's in it, also. Adrian Brody. Okay. Like, he and John Cusack are Romans, and it takes place in ancient China, and it's, it's not actually the worst thing ever made, but it's, you get why that's an appropriate designation. Yeah, I mean, it sounds bad, but is it enjoyable? on your current status. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll give it a go. Um, 
Okay, so we're in agreement that there was not an intention to show, uh, to show sexual privilege in work dynamics. Anything this movie does well is entirely max. Excellent. Uh, cut to Jamaica. Big wrecked boat. And now John Renault's here. But he kind of just is hanging around, being shady. And they're like, hey, why are you shady? He's like, I'm not. Like, okay. (laughs) No, he says he's from La Rochelle Insurance Company. Oh yeah, that's his covers. He's he's always insured the boat or the building or the whatever that got destroyed, right? And he uses his actual last name. Do we ever know his actual last name? I thought it was just deep cover. It's something Rochelle. Later in the movie, when uh, Nick Totopoulos meets him and they go to like the secret bunker, he's like, You gotta tell me some stuff too. And I think he, I think he tells him his real name. Oh no, in the taxi cab, he tells him his real name and he shows him his French Secret Service um, badge. Okay. And his right. actual I last name is the last name that he uses for this fake insurance company. The French, the French Secret Service are pretty chill. I mean, they're, yeah, he's the best part of the movie. I won't, I won't doubt him, but I don't think he's better written than the rest. I just think John Rose saves it. Oh, yes. Yes, he 100% does. He starts taking samples because apparently Godzilla caused by tearing his own cuticles out. So there's just meat chunks on the boat. He takes some of them. Yes. Cut to the eastern seaboard. Second fishing boat at night in the rain scene. Uh, they get stuck on something and decide to just pull and see if they can't strip every year in their engines, because that's 
will never accept any of you bear time whatever. Boats get tugged under, uh, whatever, back to the plane. <laughs> That's the entire scene. The scene after this, do I have it correct that this is the scene on the docks? No, this is when Broderick is pulling much knowledge out of his ass on the plane. Oh, okay, okay. Where he's like, it's a paleontologist says specific species of dinosaur they've identified, and Matthew Broderick ignoring whatever research they had come to that conclusion, like, no, it's not. It's uh, it's worms. It's, it's all about worms. He just knows it's the first of its kind of a brand new hybrid species and he throws in three to five other technical terms with the assumption we won't know what they mean. But I do, I used to teach biology and those words wouldn't even string together, right? <laughs> it's also not something you can possibly know from the size of an organism. <laughs> then we have a diner in New York where, and this because I don't know his name, lady commiserating with her friend and cameraman. <laughs> oh yeah, this is where we find, whoa. Actually, we don't know he's a cameraman yet. We don't even know he works with them at this moment. We just know that he's the neighbor cuticle girl's boyfriend. Right. Because in... Okay. So... <laughs> Is this... Is this when the diner gets attacked, or, or that's... That's like... That's just after the next scene. Okay. Sorry, they cut this up, so it kind of confused me about some of the events. This is the scene where they just... They just call their friend Audrey weak-willed and laugh at her. Yeah, yeah, they're playing like, the reason you're not more successful is because you're not a jerk to everyone. Yeah. Um, and then I think this is like the first time they start calling each other a bunch of racial slurs, but it's Italian racial slurs, and I don't know if that's supposed to be more okay. <laughs> it was 1998. It was a different time, but... 
conversation making fun of her and then she sees Tatopoulos on TV and she stands up and she goes Nick and she's just checking out she says to her friends that I'm assuming she's known for years at this point she informs them of the serious ex-boyfriend that she has. Yeah. <laughs> or she met them today. It's really hard to tell what this shit. Yeah, I don't... I don't... Okay. Yeah. Yeah, cause that cause we cut back to the diner in a little bit, but that scene ends with her like being hella thirsty for her ex who's on TV with the military. Yeah. And then yeah, and now now we cut to the war. Anthony, what do you think of this look? Okay, okay, the war scene. Ben, okay, this is, this is a couple things. So, the gag of like, oh, I think it's a tiny thing, and then it turns out to be a big thing. That's a gag. But, well, they also already did even specifically the fishing line gag. Yes. Get on the boat yes. eight seconds ago. And I don't want to get super nitpicky about scale and size logistics it, but this so this will be the only scene that I really jump into this on but first of all this guy going fishing the gag is that, you know, the, the, the fishing lure, it, it kind of gets nibbled a little bit, and so the guy gets excited because he's, he never catches fish here, and this might be the day he finally catches some fish, but the, the implication is, is that Godzilla was doing the slight nibble 
on the lore. Godzilla at this point is like hundreds of yards out to sea, but he's also somehow simultaneously able to nibble on this lore. I mean, old man's arm is just a cannon, though. He casts that motherfucker like three nautical miles out. It's apparently. But we know for a fact that Godzilla's doing this because the Bob it isn't that far away from the dock, but then the next scene, the Bob's being pulled away from him. Godzilla's way far out, and this is the first time where we see the character's head, and it's just massive, and, and Godzilla's like walking towards the coast, which should be at a slope. It should be sloping up the bank. But because his head never comes out of the water, it just makes, like, the edge of New York City look like a sheer cliff that is apparently hundreds of miles deep. Remember later on during the submarine scene, that is exactly how the water works. Yeah. Uh, New York is on an Mesa underwater <laughs> with sheer walls that Godzilla can try to burrow into and get blown away by torpedoes. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> Oh no, I forgot. Yeah, it's a, it's what is it? It's a it's an island unlike any other island in the world. A place Godzilla could easily hide. In that it's a slate shaft. <laughs> like, the, uh, like a giant stair island or something. Goes straight out of the center of the earth. It makes no and then those that weird peanut gallery homeless duo who sees at the very least a tsunami coming towards them or more likely a creature and they just stare at it it's a rough moment it was a rough moment for me, this scene. I, uh... I enjoyed it a lot because I, I thought the... Because he's got like two sets of ridges that are pointing out. Yeah. And then it's sort of like a perfectly round cut because you don't 
do a good job showing like a lizard's back under it, so just like perfectly round mound kind of between them. Yeah. Uh, so I thought it looked like a giant Batman head. <laughs> and that. <laughs>
truck is being held high in the air by Godzilla, and his driver's side door flings open. He falls out and, like, catches onto the door, and then the next time it cuts back to him, you're removed from that passenger, um... POV and you're down on the ground looking at the truck dangling up in the sky from Godzilla and you see the man fall and then the final sort of like close out uh, is when the truck falls it's, it's a really unexpectedly kind of like graphic tiny character arc um and otherwise a really forgettable uh monster scene yeah one of those also one of the elements is practical effects not giant CGI bullshit which helps a whole lot I think if the whole movie had been like that, it would have been good, but it would have been much more best. Yeah, really unexpected, kind of unexpectedly grounded moment. So we're to assume that it wasn't intentional. Yeah. probably hated that scene and lobbied to have her moved in half time. Um, they do the, I think it's a pretty decent gag where the mayor's coming out and his, his hype man slash Siskel uh, saying, here he is, ladies and gentlemen, the man you've all been waiting for, Godzilla's about to show up. It's like, we have, that's true. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was a decent fourth wall joke. Apparently, Roland Emmerich hated Siskel and Heber because he didn't like his bad movies before. So he put them in this movie to make fun of them, but then because Siskel and Ebert are better than Roald Emmerich, they critiqued his putting them in the movie and how lame it was to try and get revenge on them and put them in a monster movie without even killing them. <laughs> <laughs> Good for them. You know that I love me some Cisco and Ebert. Yeah, but he had had this whole rant about, like, it's a movie where hundreds of extras die, you hate us, you've put us in it, and then what? Your message is like, what? I wouldn't be a great mayor? (laughs) <laughs> Dumb movie. 
I hadn't actually realized that Cisco and Eva were in this, and uh, I didn't even, I didn't even notice. Oh yeah, the, the mayor is Ebert, and his assistant is Siskel. This now sets a precedent that uh, both of the episodes I've been on, we've mentioned Siskel and Ebert in some detail. They're great. They're really great. The animal runs out, trying to film it. It's humorous and almost killed, but not. It's also the scene where you didn't know that he was a cameraman. For all you know, the assault's happening and Victor Animal just runs outside, steals a camera from a van, which is what I thought was happening, and then parkours his way, Captain America style, and Avengers across multiple taxi cabs to try to get a shot. And I was like, what is this guy doing? You don't find out he's, like, officially a cameraman until a couple scenes later. I guess... Maybe I just remember that from the first time I saw it, because I already knew at this point, but I don't know if it was because of anything in the movie or just because... I remembered that he was the main character from what I saw when I was... The only indication uh, at this point in the movie is that he, he runs from the diner, goes straight towards the overturned news van and pulls a camera out of it. So the only assumption is that he probably knew that was there. Right. Okay. He so he just looks potentially for me at least on this viewing. It'd been it'd been a long time. It just looked like he was just Crazy. <laughs> Just look crazy. I mean, if I'm being perfectly honest, like, if I was in that identical situation, as in, you know, a quarter mile tall dinosaur that's probably gonna kill me anyway, I would try to Instagram it. If I, if I didn't think I had a reasonable chance of escaping because it was taking steps that were my day's run. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I was like, okay, well, this is going to be 
red? Because I'm red. Man, it's just parkouring across New York. Listen, cars aren't that hard to run up and over. They're not... It's not vans, it's not trucks, it's sedans. I... Even in my shape, I, I can... And have run up and over a car. It's not that hard to do. I just damage the windshields more than perhaps the new people might. Well, I was pretty impressed with Hank Azaria's stunts. Oh, he's an action star. He's yes. the Blue Roger. Oh, he do whatever. You do whatever. <laughs> anyway, yes, sorry. I, uh, I, uh, I was very shocked by that. So, this is the first time we see the Godzilla's, even his feet, drastically change size. So that Hank Azaria can be stepped around by a relatively small foot. Yep. Then, uh, our heroes show up in New Jersey. New Jersey. I don't know if anything significant happens except they just establish that now they're in town. Yep. And now back to the news station. She she steals the press pass from the Me Too guy. It's established the animal's a cameraman because they all know him and are applauding his work. Cisco neighbor during a tent. There's a bunch of really short scenes here that all kind of blend together for me. They just like Ebert up on a tent. <laughs> Man, this is that part of the movie where they just do a bunch of sort of quick cuts back and forth between people reacting to this thing having happened. And I think this is when they announce that it's disappeared to each other, right? Yeah, so, yeah, because everything's cutting around, so they're like, do they know, has, has Nick Tatopoulos went and gotten all of the pregnancy tests at this point, or is that just past this? Uh, it's past this. Okay, so this is them just... Because they, yeah, because they, he doesn't get the goo until after the, the fish thing, right? Right, okay, yes, yes, yes. Um, I'm on board. So, th this is just the part they're going around. They, they do mention, like, it's just 
disappear, and they're like, how did it disappear? How do you lose a whatever the hell tall lizard? And like, look, hanging a lampshade on it doesn't correct the plot Oh, it's that's all they do the whole dumb. movie. Every time they have a thing where I feel like I was questioning it, I feel like a scene later they acknowledged it, and I know what their game is. Yeah, but acknowledged it and not explain. Yeah. So. They lost him because he burrowed through the basement of the building and went into the subways. But the, the city isn't evacuated yet. Nope. There are millions of people on the subway and in every building of the basement. <laughs> like... Millions of people saw where he went. <laughs> well, they Even make they a big deal of having the mayor really tripped out about his decision to evacuate the city. And so I think we're just supposed to assume that in that couple hour span, all of the city had been evacuated. I no, know, I, mean, I know, but, it's dumb. But he disappears mid-rampage, it wasn't that good mid-rampage. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. Mad about it. It's okay. It's okay. We should write a letter to Roland Emmerich. Did you know this critically planned disaster dark mark in your career? was also bad to me. <laughs> Did you know that we're rehashing and re-reviewing stuff that was... How far are we now? 20... 21 years. 21 years ago. now. <laughs> <laughs> We can go to bars. Oh, we didn't forget, Roland. We're sending you a letter. John Roche is up for five seconds to tag a, a very obvious bug on the back of the mayor's collar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also saying he's an insurance agent. La Rochelle. Ex-girlfriend and her friend forge an ID on the subway because she needs her friend's expertise, but her friend's expertise involves taping her picture over 
his picture, and she couldn't think to do that herself, but now she has a kid. So I don't... Actually, it's, the scene is unresolved because the friend asks for some sort of adhesive, and neither of them have any. So, right. so nothing is resolved. It just gets worked out uh, behind the scenes. And here's here's all the French people or French humor. Oh yeah. Because he cut to a listening post. Jean Renault and all of the extra Jeans are hanging out. One brings them donuts. He complains there's no croissants mm-hmm. because he's French. He does. You call this coffee? It's a little funny because it's Sean or no being funny, but it's still a bad joke. It's the first scene where he's been humanized or Frenchanized for us because up until this point, he's been a f- he's been undercover. Before then, we might not have known he was French. We were just assumed he spoke French. Yeah. Because we know he speaks two languages at least. Uh, we get uh, a three and a half second scene inside the command tent with the mayor again to say some more of the same stuff they've been saying. Mm-hmm. Cut back to now, nerds are in the subway. Uh, because they found a fish, and now they know he must have gone underground, even though all the thousands of people who were there on the subway when he did it didn't see him. This is when he says that when he's he's collecting worms, uh, rather than going and hunting for them, they have to lure him out, offer him something he wants. Except we just saw how he lures worms out. It's by shocking <laughs> the crowd. <laughs> so. So, no, he doesn't. Um, he lures them with electrocution. He lures them by burning them from below. <laughs> yeah, that, uh... That, that didn't check out. (laughs) 
We have a second French listening post scene. This time they can point out the coffee. The the donut thing and the coffee thing are two separate scenes. Oh Jesus. Oh Jesus. It's, it's not even two different jokes in the same scene. There's two separate scenes like Bet you thought we forgot about the French. We didn't. Here's one that'll have you chuckling. In my head, I just combined them because that's obviously the same scene. No, it's two. It's, it should just be. It should just be one. Presumably two different shooting days. Uh, different <laughs> costumes, maybe. Out of it. Listen, I, I, I think it should just be said at this point. We, we should really just emphasize that so much of this movie needed to be cut. Like the last third. And the first third. Okay. At and least the middle. Uh, at least <laughs> at least the <laughs> all of it. <laughs> well the very end is just a Jurassic Park movie. Even though this stuff is bad, at least technically it's kind of trying to be a Godzilla movie at this point still. You mean 11 minute super cut of Godzilla fighting helicopters? That's the movie. That's what I mean. That probably exists. We could have probably just watched that on YouTube. I would, listen, I would play this video game. If there's a video game where you're either A, a helicopter chasing Godzilla, or B, Godzilla fighting helicopters, and then towards the end, other random monsters, I would play that. There has to have been a video game tie-in to this. There was, but it was probably like one of those late 90s tie-in platformers where you're like Matthew Broderick jumping over holes full of lost raptors or something. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but it's probably true. In my dream is you being Godzilla, but I don't remember if that's accurate. There's a fighting game called War of the Monsters that was a lot of fun. Oh, that rings a bell. It was like they didn't have Godzilla, but they had a obvious Godzilla ersatz thing. And big not quite King Kong and it 
was uh, Ezran, he could impale them with, like, radio antennas and stuff. Yeah, that does ring a bell, actually. This is good. What? Okay, you told me earlier this evening that there is a rule that Godzilla wasn't allowed to eat people. But what was up with it stopping and checking out Matthew Broderick for such a long period of time? Oh, they were commuting. Because it's more of the opponent. No, that's Matthew Broderick. Matthew Broderick, the worthiest of opponents. They get a they get a bunch of fish. They pile up the fish. He goes with mantle covers. Godzilla's bugs bunnying around because you can see where he is from the little dirt mound thing. Yep. He come up. Stare Matthew Broderick for eight minutes. Yeah, it was weird. And then he yelled and then it yells at him. Okay, that's weird like ET music. We finally see his face. Weird looking. Uh, his, his, his chin and lower jaw is 80% of his head mass. I don't understand it. Tiny little eyes. Yeah. Kind of looks like the. Uh, I read they were trying to imitate like the Shere Khan look from Jungle Book for some reason. Oh. Huh. Which, alright. Mission accomplished, I don't know why, but... Everyone tries to shoot him and somehow they all fucking miss, even though he's like... However many hundred feet tall. Oh, yeah, so that's the very beginning. That's the very beginning, and I guess they give you the throw line, throwaway line later, but where they just destroy a huge building because Godzilla just ducks. Ducks yeah. the missiles. Does he know about missiles? When did he learn about missiles? Uh, I mean, he knows not to get hit by things that are kind of big, I guess. Yeah, but does, well, I don't know. I think missiles are faster than that, but... I think Godzilla just sees a fucking quarter on the ground. 
I didn't like that they exact threatened. They acknowledge it uh, by by saying some snarky comment about the the Chrysler building being destroyed. So I didn't need the commentary, but I did like when the pilot uh, shot the heat-seeking missiles that then got missed and then destroyed the Chrysler building. I like just the moment where you could just see the actor like the character responding to the fact that he'd accidentally destroyed the Chrysler building. And that's Fun all I, fact. That's all I oh, needed. Sorry. Fun fact, not only is this the second movie of 1998 in which the Chrysler building is destroyed, it's the second movie in 1998 in which the Chrysler building is impacted by something which knocks the top off of it, which then falls to the ground and is destroyed in that specific manner. What was the other one? Armageddon. Oh. I was really in at that time. <laughs> People were really into that. I hate the Chrysler building. <laughs> I don't know what's the matter with it. Uh, for some reason, and I don't know why, I have on my notes kinda love the mayor right here. So I don't know what the mayor is. I don't know why you like this character. (laughs) (laughs) I think he was flippant about candy again, but in a different way than he was previously. in Jurassic Park and it looks really cool. But in this movie they have guns. In this movie they have X-Wing targeting computers. Mm-hmm. Full on. And they, and they refuse to pull up because the thing about helicopters different than cars they can fly. Nope. But they stay in the trenches because the trench run is a cool scene that he wants to do. Yep. And that way Godzilla can kill all of them. And he does. By hiding what see like 
inside of a building behind them. <laughs> and then yes, surprising God. them. I guess he doubles back? I don't understand it. Mm-hmm. Made no sense. Ev Everybody missed. They refuse to go up, even when they're being chased, because the, cause the chase reverses at some point. Godzilla's chasing them. They still refuse to go up. Mm -hmm. Everyone does. Yeah. That, that, no, that sums it up. Scene. That sums it up. It's a dumb movie, that's a bad scene. <laughs> <laughs> Do you... is that just a sentence you say about, I think, everything that you must be reviewing on this... on this podcast? No, many of the movies we've reviewed on this podcast are quite good. Oh. Uh, this one is still a movie. <laughs> <laughs> bad scenes in it. I really... I need to listen to your and Tony's Roadhouse. I really... I have... I feel like that'd be really... That's probably a good one. No, that's... I mean, that, that's also a bad movie with dumb scenes in it. But, um... <laughs> uh, uh, I just was baiting you to say it. But, like, Super Mario Bros, for instance? Great movie. Great scene. Uh, that one turns out was fantastic. Good movie, good scenes, um, very good actors, uh, very good, um, writing. Everything. Uh, Gremlins 2, fantastic movie. Good oh. scenes. Yeah. Um, Love the electricity. Scenes <laughs> so the next scene, Matthew Broderick runs into his ex while purchasing forty-eight uh, pregnancy tests. Yeah, so she's been stalking him. Because she left him, and now she's gonna rob him. Yeah, and she's she calls him out. She's about, are you still mad that I ghosted on you after a four-year relationship and it's been eight years she says are you still mad and he's clearly not because he doesn't have emotions 
but um, he says he is because he's not super about acting angry in this movie. Yeah, because he immediately is like, actually, you know what? You're right. I'm over it. And then she betrays him. Yeah, so she she steals. Hey, it's the the worst kept secret ever because it's in his tent where the pre- like she got him the freak fake press pass, but she got him with a fake press pass. There's still press everywhere. And he just has a tape labeled Top Secret on, like, a table in his tent? Yeah. Which is open on two ends to the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that was a security risk to begin with. Somebody would have probably stole that sooner or later. And she watches it there before stealing it. No one notices or stops her. Like, no one's here. She's still the worst. Audrey's the worst. Oh, yeah, it's just one of those, like, I don't even know how they knew he messed up, because if that's how they keep secrets, anyone could have stolen anything from anyone. (laughs) (laughs) Like, someone linked that tape we left everywhere. Like, that's not... Yeah, she's okay. I actually kind of felt bad about Audrey earlier in the movie where her friends are just mocking her for how weak she is. But eventually, I think by the end of the movie, I'm right there with them, not liking her. Yeah. Well, I mean, she's a bad person. Uh, <laughs> Matthew Broderick's an idiot. Yep. Yes, he and, um, He's super dumb. And the military guys are... Everyone's a Metal Gear Solid guard. Mm-hmm. Because... It's really easy for her to sneak in and steal this tape. Godzilla sneaks around behind a guy in the subway who doesn't see him because he's turned around and walked 15 feet. That's it as well. No, no that's fair. That's that, that, that counts. I'm, I'm tired. <laughs> 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 what I will say, so 
shortly after this, she, you know, she, she does her whole, like, uh, she's gonna get her new story thing going on, but, uh, and the, the story's getting ready to be aired on TV, but at the same time, Matthew Broderick's in his little round table thing, and he's like dropping the news about the pregnancy tests and, and its ability to, uh, as he's figured out, apparently, somehow, because of because of radioactive worms that it will lay a bunch of eggs and the and he knows that they're all gonna grow very quickly but and I was listening to the way that he said this the way that he knows they're gonna grow quickly is that Godzilla has gathered a lot of fish. Yes. That was the cause. That was okay. So it wasn't. That's that was his reasoning, right? That was his line of logic. Yeah. That and the pregnancy test, what led him to do that in the first place, I, I don't think was ever revealed. <laughs> okay. Oh, he's such a good scientist. That's... <laughs> he's just... <laughs> What what I will say though, all of his leaps in logic turn out to be true. So he's, you know, maybe we're the ones who are off base here. No, and and I'll give him this: like the character is almost more believable than most scientists in these movies because nothing he he comes up with is that crazy or even that well phrased so he, he seems it's totally believable that someone could have these ideas the reason he's amazing is everyone around him for 37 miles in every direction is an idiot. <laughs> but, but this one character is fairly believable. It's just like, I don't know, what a fucking... I don't know. People are like, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right. <laughs> also when she has 
Yeah, she's already managed from the story somehow. Uh, so when we can't find the monster again, she somehow gets all the way back to the station or broadcast or something. So it plays on the TV. During the meeting, he left her to go be in. So, I don't know, an hour, ten minutes, somehow she is, as a kid, and throws it up that quickly. So he gets fired mid-briefing. <laughs> and the French are watching somehow. No, because they're both the mayor. Okay, that's yeah, why. Yeah, yeah, you got it. They all see the report. They have this cringe-inducing confrontation scene between ex-girlfriend Matthew Broderick. Yeah, how did they end up in the same place? He's got a taxi picking him up. And it happens to be near the bar that she's at with Hank Azaria. Well, I thought she went back to the tent after she realized that the guy didn't give her the story she stole. She's like, oh no, I betrayed everyone for no reason. Goes back to find him. See, that would make sense. So I don't think that's what happened. Fair. I mean, it's what I assumed. I might have written that for them. But he uses, he even uses the line, you were supposed to be my friend. Even. Like the words. But we know that we know that she wasn't. She ghosted him. Like he's wanting it her, she's wanting it him. No one seems particularly angry, particularly sad, but they're both very whiny. And for some reason Hank Azaria chases him to go talk sense into him. It was a really nice, it was a really unexpectedly friendly move, but really it was just so he could be a part of the main story. I think he's like half in love with the ex-girlfriend, right? You think so? Cause we'll do that weird like later on when his wife's like, oh, she can stay with us. He's like, threesome, cool. That like, not joking, but heaps and serious. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No guy has ever joked about sleeping with female friends or about threesome and not been like, it's cool. They'll think it's a joke <laughs> if they're not secretly into it like all women secretly are because I watch porn. <laughs> like that's... 
there's one reason to make peace and justice. So that would explain why he drove across town chasing this guy's cab. Yeah, and I mean, he only knows two women, one's his wife, and he's abusive and racist, so... <laughs> yeah, okay, that's very funny, I guess. Oh, man. His red van was pretty cool, though. Oh, animals... Animal's best character is yeah. just awful. <laughs> I'm and I think John no, Reed's the best Okay, character. thank you, sorry. Uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. I keep forgetting because I forget he's in this movie. It seems like he's in a different, better movie. It's because he's a French Secret Service agent, so you just keep forgetting because he's such a good Secret Service agent. Yeah, he's, he's a real spy, so like James Bond's in attention all the fucking time. Yeah, he's... Invisible. He's great. Spy should be. He's got great ideas like chewing gum, which I loved. <laughs> and, it, and it works too. It's like makes them more American. It's like holy fuck, it does. <laughs> yeah, when they do, when they when they cut the shot of like all three Frenchmen chewing gum. I actually was kind of like, actually, that, that checks out, that checks out. It's like, what does that say about our culture? Because that's very true. <laughs> Damn it. Just look like you're always eating, done. I thought it, more, it was more of a baseball thing. Nah, I mean, I'm just saying it works. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> <laughs> so now Brock is kidnapped by the French, but kind of friendly. Like, he kidnaps him at first, and he's like, hey, are you kidnapping me? He's like, yes, but here's, here's the thing. He's like, oh, okay, kidnap me then. Cut to the couple's house. There's a lot of guests. His wife invited everyone who's kicked out of New York. Yeah, and unexpectedly compassionate move from a character we've not seen much compassion from. Yeah, it's legitimately pretty cool. But well, she, her only other main action was to help forge an ID for someone and to invite them to come stay at her house. Like, all right, that's fair. 
I guess I just Did remember. Did you constantly joke about how abusive she is towards the animal, but the only actual actions we've seen her take towards anyone but animals are really cool. That's actually true. I did think it was rad when she got there and the whole neighborhood was basically in there. No, it seems like a cool thing too. Like I'm making whatever muffins for everyone I saw today. Everyone gets a bite. Uh, ex-girlfriends in the background crying, and they both decide they're gonna follow Matthew. Broderick, even though they can't quite get to Matthew Broderick. They'll figure it out. They go through the subway and just like intercept them, but they're not even in the same neighborhood when they go down to the subway. Yeah, well, because don't they find like a train car and they're trying to figure out if that was the way they'd gotten down there but it wasn't Ooh, it was just a different route and the guys do that Elvis impression fake out through the army at the main right right right, right 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 yeah. And an animal knows a random shed by the water that also gets you down to the subway somehow. He's in the know. But like, but it's, it's, New York's not smaller 15 feet underground, like it's still <laughs> the size of New York. <laughs> it's just that movie logic, we're like, well, they're both in the subway. <laughs> but that's... This movie has problems with scale all over the place. We can both agree on that. It's like gravity being in space. Like, you're in the same place. You're both in space, orbit around to Earth. <laughs> like, but he's above Spain. Oh. She's above southern Japan. Like, space. They're space. <laughs> Together. <laughs> so they're both in the subway. Capitalized. <laughs> yes. Correct. Oh, Jesus. Everyone's just wading through like knee deep water and sparking wires and no one dies. But it's really atmospheric though. Yeah, and electrocuted. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Godzilla squirms right past him and kills no one. You know, that could have been a, a detail about luring Godzilla out with electricity. <laughs> like the earthworms. They get him with a wire later, don't they? Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. When he's eating the car and somehow he can't kill him. Jesus. Is that Oh. I feel... Okay, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was just say, like, I... The, like the second they get into Madison Square Garden, it just becomes kind of an endless raptor chase, pretty much. Yeah, because they 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 saw that good scene from the good movie Jurassic Park. Yeah. Uh, where they're all in the kitchen and they're like, wow, that was a really good scene. What if we do that 12 times back to back? Yeah, because so size matters. That's basically so, by like what? So there's like. 55 minutes left in the movie by the time they get to dealing with the like hundreds of seven hours long. But like the the last 50 minutes of the movie are basically just running from Velociraptors. Uh, elevator gag. <laughs> and then two and then, uh, separate... Studios ride in taxi. Yes! Yes! Oh my god. <laughs> Alright, I've come to the end of this movie. I was so optimistic mystic at the start because I just have so much love for Roland Emmerich's disaster movies. Bad movies, but, bad. The, but the place where I'm at now is just exhaust. I'm exhausted. Dumb movie bad <laughs> Yeah. Well, well, meanwhile on the surface the military guys plants do the fish thing again exactly. And they do. And a bunch of stuff happens, but none of it matters. No, none of uh, it. And the Air Force they, threatens like 14 different bombs wherever the main characters are. Yeah, and, and what, Godzilla, he runs away, gets in the water, there's a submarine battle, one dies and two blow him away, and it works, and that's the end of Godzilla. 
Oh wait, I thought Godzilla was destroyed on the bridge. Do I have that wrong? No, it's a fake-out. They kill him with submarines in a fake-out. But completely separate from the actions of the main characters, like the military just does it. Because, like, listen, in Japanese movies, Godzilla's a natural disaster, and a lot of it's about human helplessness or something. This is an American movie, and Americans cannot even fathom a movie where our military being the best doesn't solve it. So first we kill Godzilla. That's step one. Fuck y'all. <laughs> or at least the German director who understands America. He knows what we're about. He knows what to sell us. And knows what to sell to Taco Bell. Cause I'm pretty sure they were the friend they were the fast food place that got the tie-in. So pacing wise this is a complete disaster because the the main conflict of the movie ends when we come back to these guys who find the eggs they get seafood I was trying to make a pun I couldn't see four portions that's not good oh god they're going to use Simtex or Plastique. I still don't know what it's called. Uh, to blow up the eggs. But then they bust out, like, of course they're going to. And then it's the Velociraptor kitchen scene. Yeah. All the Johns die. It's like the longest kitchen scene. The angry refugees want back in before they can even check Godzilla's poles and the mayor wants <laughs> them to all do that because he thinks that's smart. Hmm? It's been... it's been... three hours in universe, right? Like, no one's even had to sleep somewhere that wasn't their apartment. Yeah, nobody's changed. It's, 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 it's a very confusing timeline. It's one rush hour's worth of evacuation. <laughs> but all of Manhattan got... Yeah, I don't... Ugh... Somehow they need to convince, like, the army guy, the, the child boss dad from Transformers needs to convince everyone to at least look for the damn body before they let everyone else back in. <laughs> oh, 
Glossopters. They even do, they even do, because in Jurassic Park, the kid, Lex, goes through van top of the ceiling. They even have a kick through the vent on the ceiling. Wall of Lost Rider tries to bite you seeing this because everything in Jurassic Park you need to try. Yeah, it's... <laughs> I really... I wonder I would like to find out Roland Emmerich's thoughts on Jurassic Park. It'd probably be a pretty easy Google, but I wonder if he's on record talking about it at length. If if he's not, he's a coward. Cause he's a coward. Wow, those are strong words. We really do need to write him a letter. Well, I know he, don't worry, I know he listens. So. It'll be titled, Roland Emmerich, You're a Coward. <laughs> You're a coward if you don't do this interview. <laughs> That'll get him. That'll get Every him. Every letter I send out requesting interviews. It's also my, my job, job application strategy. I listen, you're a coward if you don't hire me. <laughs> <laughs> That's. <laughs> uh, I'm okay with it. <laughs> I would probably give that person an interview. So they come with a new, a new important thing to do, which is they're trying to call in an airstrike, but they can't because all the phone lines are busy. And this is, I don't even think that is still pre-cell phone, they don't have any, they're not common yet. No. All the Johns get it. Yep. Elevator, wrong floor gag. Ha <laughs> ha! We don't... Listen, even if you didn't watch the movie this far, it's an elevator, wrong floor gag. They're running from dinosaurs. You can fill in literally everything they do. Yeah. It's not over. Yeah. You know the song that plays, you know it. <laughs> and then they, they do the same scene like three times in a row. It's like Matthew Broderick runs somewhere, checks behind a door, it's the wrong door, there's a lost because he closes the door, runs back the other way. They cut to one of the other Johns getting killed. They cut back to Matthew Broderick. He's gonna try a door. He opens the door. There's a lost person behind 
the wrong way, close to where they cut to different shot being killed in a slightly different place. They cut back to Matthew Broderick, he's gonna try this door, the wrong door, there's a lot of treasures to be had, and he cuts the door and goes somewhere else. <laughs> and I, I, like, I, this is what you cut. Yeah. For the takes you're not going to use. You don't just pad it out. Yeah, the, the really the last half of this, of this 90 hour movie feels like they're just padding it for some reason. This movie is 14 hours long. Yes. I'm over it. Minimum. The trailer was 14 hours. Yeah, and then you have your, you have your three days of footage of angry iguanas, and then you finally get into... <laughs> We're on day six of Godzilla until he ate now and said you Benjamin Dewey is there like a I'm usually asleep by this point in the podcast, so I'm asking you do we rate it? Do I, do I, do I, do I give it like, do I give it so many eggs, or do I give it negative yes. eggs? We, we recommend whether we're going to watch or not. I do want to run through this last bit because it, 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 the reason it feels so long is because it grinds to a halt and then chugs itself back up and starts again twice more. And then it, mind, this is all after Godzilla's been killed. Yes. Supposedly. Kind of, yeah. They successfully send the broadcast because they have to get into the thing. They're running, they're closing doors behind themselves, they're bracing with mops and that shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. They successfully send the broadcast. She proves herself as a reporter. They're gonna blow up the building they're in, which is Madison Square Gardens, to kill all these eggs. They're gonna sacrifice themselves, but these two kinda like each other again. This is where a good movie would end. Mm-hmm. This is the second place a good movie would end. <laughs> um, but now they have six minutes to escape, and they know it's six minutes because they talk to the guy who broadcasts. It's like, <laughs> you got about six minutes to blow this up, which is a precise fucking 
kicking us <laughs> because I was acting with big boy And it's a countdown. Suddenly they can't escape, even though the last half hour of the movie was them showing they couldn't, which is why they had to send a broadcast instead of going out and letting someone know. Well, they just needed a time limit. They work better, better with limits. Well, because all the lost rappers are gone for every place they have been, because they're all in the lobby from Gremlins 2. <laughs> where they're all just sort of milling around. He scares them away with falling chandeliers so they can walk out the front push door that none of the Lost Raptors have tried. Yeah, it does kind of undercut the seriousness of their of their plight earlier. Yeah, especially because they're going to sacrifice themselves, maybe, so that none of these things can escape. Yeah. The door isn't even locked. They don't have to try a handle. They push out the front door. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. After running past the 200 fucking zombie dinosaur or whatever. Um, we have an Independence Day explosion. It does the whole from the top down splash out the bottom thing because that's what Roman Rose doing. Oh, yeah. Uh, the ex's kiss. Suddenly, Godzilla's back. This is the third we're going to do a climax of this movie now. Gotcha. Uh, he somehow invisibly tunneled past the submarines to exactly here comes out, we're supposed to feel bad for him for half a second because all his babies are dead. They've done nothing to display the new things even have feelings yet, so it doesn't work. Well, it looked at Matthew Broderick for 14 years earlier in the movie. That's true, yeah, that was day, that was day six through nine. They they break into Tim Taxi do the Jumanji thing where the taxi gets chewed to ship and never blows up. And then they look up in the rearview mirror because that was in Jurassic Park. And then they just drive back and forth. And literally back and forth. Like they keep turning and then 
going back and you just de chase him. Yeah, but it's. I don't know why. That's next. That's next six days in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and at one point, he throws the register out of the taxi so an army guy they pass can go to the taxi headquarters and look up which frequency their specific radio is on or something. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, it was supposed to be like a clever thing, but I don't know how taxis work, so it, it wasn't. Okay, is that like a CB radio thing? Yeah, like he throws it when they're passing that one army guy we kind of recognize. He's just sort of like generic good looking actor guy who's been a bunch of things as a not main character. Oh, um, you're talking about this, the soldier who stutters all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he takes the thing they throw out of the cab to the office of the cab to figure out which frequency they're on so he can talk to their radio and coordinate they're going to get Godzilla out in the open. But right now they're stuck in a tunnel because they have to do another narrow escape. But Godzilla can't catch them if they turn or turn their lights on. Nope. So they get out of the tunnel. Fucking. Isn't that where. Okay, so now we're at the Brooklyn Bridge, right? Yeah, they gotta get him to the bridge for some reason, because he can't just blow him up anywhere else. And suddenly he can't bite through a car, because at some point they're in his mouth, because he catches him. I know he, he destroyed that ship at the beginning of the movie, but... Pooey! He knew the whole of the fishing trawler or a giant fucking cargo rig, no problem, but a car, a taxi, and like, what, six inches of asphalt or something he can't do. So there is mouth. And he brought shocks his tooth, so he opens his mouth and they drive out instead of falling out of his mouth like like gravity would make them do they they six miles yeah. go up ramp out of his mouth <laughs> it was pretty sick though It's, I mean, it, it's been a cartoon for too long. Attention's been gone. 
but this is also minute. It, uh, it, uh, being exaggerating the length of this movie for comedic effect, but it's literally like lit minute ten of this fucking back and forth chase scene, or five at least. Like it, there's been, he can't hurt them. <laughs> it's established he can't hurt them. <laughs> Chases him, he gets tied up on the bridge and shot to hell by planes. Yeah, the Air Force, once again, the Air Force, I think, must have really put a lot of money towards this movie. Because the jets are never dangerous, the helicopters and some mm-hmm. jets just blow away. Uh, he falls down. You hear the slow heartbeat thing, because then King Kong worked there. Products like he was beauty killed the beast. That's <laughs> Your Broderick is on point. It's it's an easy impression of Twas Beauty killed the beast. That's my Broderick. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's cooler than actual Broderick is probably <laughs> thank you I don't hear that enough we watched Godzilla tie for 52 minutes <laughs> and <laughs> poured Quits triumphantly. They try to make it really sad, but then everyone starts cheering the second it's over. Yeah. While more rain than has fallen on the North American continent in the last <laughs> 12 years. Mounds uh, down everywhere. Quits triumphantly. Yeah, take John knows gone. Um, which is cool. Like they're all looking around celebrating, like, hey, where's what's his name? And he stole the tape. But then he calls him on a payphone, he stole the tape, I'll give it back, it's fine. <laughs> Nothing bad happened. Yeah, what was the point of that? <laughs> He's gonna edit out his own face. Oh, right, 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 right. Yes, yeah, he's gonna get yeah. it back. He Removing a few items. Yeah. And America won with its bombs. But then, holy shit. An egg is left. 
Yeah, but we know it can grow really fast, so apparently this is gonna be a problem in two days. We've been told it can grow really fast. We've been shown nothing. Everything Matthew Broderick like... guesses has been true. You could do it subtly. You could have the egg twitch or something. They don't. It busts out and screams at the camera. <laughs> because that's... That's how this movie does tension. That's the only scene I'm glad of because that justifies the Godzilla cartoon, which I think we've established is much better than this movie. It's true. Is the cartoon a an actual continuation? Yeah, I think it's it's uh, what's his name? Nick Tarakata Wakadabadabadabadabadabadabadabadabadabadabadabadabadabadabadabadabadabadabadabadabadabadabadabadabadabadabadabadabadabadabadabadabadabadabadabadabadabadabadabadabadabadabadabadabadabadabadabadabad
Oh, I feel like that's that's a good pull. That pull worked out well. Labyrinth is because it beat out like Dark Crystal and the Witches or something. Um, okay. So, I'm just gonna say it. I don't recommend this movie. I recommend any disaster movie where, where, where the climate or shifting plates or magma or things like that are a problem. That's solid. But, uh, this is, uh, this was a hard, this was a hard truth for me to swallow, being a lover of Roland Emmerich's, of Roland Emmerich's movies. I did not like this movie, and it was really hard for me to get through. Yeah, I'm gonna say, like, you can watch any other Roland Emmerich movie. Mike, well, 2012's very bad. I don't know. Most other Roland Emmerich movies of this era are better than this one. And every Godzilla movie, at least that I've seen, is better than this one. So if you're in the yeah. Godzilla, you have 700 movies to choose from. If you're in the mood for all memory, you have five uh, that will all be better than this. I think it's better than 2012, honestly. I'm thinking back about in my head, like, not day after tomorrow's better than this, Independence no. is better than this. No. 2012 was one 2012. of Emmerich's bests. What? It's, it's, it's got, it's got great family drama. It's got, it's got Cusack. Being Cusack. It's got three separate airplane takeoffs where you don't think the airplane's gonna make it, but then it does make it, but then each airplane is bigger than the previous airplane that they did that gag with, so it only gets better. Is that the one we're all trying to get to, like, arcs? Yeah, they're trying to get to those arcs. Those giant, like, really nice luxury liners where all the the human refugees live. Um... This is so much worse than 2012. I, I, I feel like there's only... No. Well, maybe we'll do 2012 at some point. 
I remember I actively hated that movie in a way that Godzilla can't approach for me. Ben, I am willing to make two commitments to you right now. Alright. Do you want them? I don't even know. I think it's gonna involve watching Mortal and I will watch <laughs> any Roland Emmerich movie with you. <laughs> and I also have no problem talking about any disaster movie either. What if we did some of the the smarter, less popular ones? You know how they do that thing where they would always do them in pairs? If you deep impact, they came out at the same time as Armageddon. You got your Dante's Peak, they came out at the same time as the Super Volcano or whatever the hell. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do know what you're uh, talking about. Are you saying we watch the the lesser known ones, the less successful ones? The less successful, but smarter ones. Like I don't, I don't know if they did that with Dante's Inferno, Volcano, whatever. But I know that. Deep Impact was a lot smarter than Armageddon, but not nearly as fun. Also had Elijah Wood. And Morgan Freeman. Oh yeah, it did. What's another example? I'm trying to think of something off the top of my head. There is a straight-to-TV tornado when Twister came out. What? I'm not counting the, like, asylum pictures. Okay, uh, okay. Yeah, I get Yeah, I got you. Uh, like, like, what if we saw Atlantic Room instead of Pacific Room? Like, no, that's cheating. That's no. not... That's nothing. I mean, Deep Impact, count me in. Alright, yeah, let's do that mm -hmm. at some point. Tell you what. So, Godzilla, no, though, might actually be pretty good. 1998 Godzilla, no way. If, 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 hello. Listeners, if you're still awake at this point and you need some uh, white noise to fall asleep to, well, boy, check out the endless, pointless action scenes of Godzilla 1998. They will lull you into sleep. It might. It might be okay for, like, kids. I still... Th if you got kids to show them Jurassic Park, it's a better movie. Um... Yeah, it's way better. And there's... The sequel's better. Kid Jurassic Park is better also. 
is. Well, not Jurassic awesome. Part 3 might not be. Jurassic Part 3. Whew. Uh, we can't even go down to that path right now. Godzilla versus Jurassic Part 3. Oh, Jurassic Part 3. Jurassic Part 3 is better, I think, because I still like Alan Grant. Yeah, but I like Sean Renault. Yeah. They're both really bad. That might be... Well, stay tuned. That's when we should check out. Not Lost Rolls. That's good. Not Jurassic Park. That's great. Uh... Jurassic Park 3. Yeah, that's a really... I don't know. Yeah, because that has that weird kid who, like, became, like, a jungle kid. And they have the, the raptor's skull that they blow through and you can talk to raptors with. It has the mohawk raptor and the made-up slightly scarier than T-Rex, T-Rex. Oh, yeah, that looks worse than the T-Rex in the first movie. Yeah, that's the first time they did the exact same fucking thing in Jurassic World, which is overrated. You know what? But no matter what, even if Jurassic Park 3 is even incrementally worse as a movie. It is significantly shorter, I think. Well, listen. Nothing is longer than this movie. Nothing. Nothing. The... All, the entire... Lord of the Rings Extended Edition Trilogy is a blip on the radar of this movie. There have been wars <laughs> that were shorter than this. Actually, there have been wars that were shorter than like TV shows. That's, that's true. <laughs> Dark. <laughs> well, I no, just like you. Know, I was just thinking, like, actually, no, like, historically, the shortest war was like 23 minutes. It's really funny or something. Oh, that's a good war. Uh, that's an efficient war. We could uh, learn something from that war. I have been in relationships shorter than this movie. <laughs> Dang, no, you uh, didn't. I, uh, I don't know. It's, it's too long. It's long. Yeah. Well, I um, think. But I might recommend it for a specific, like, if you are. Very hungover, and 
need need something filling the space with you so you don't have to think about your decisions but you don't have to think about it and you want it to be a little familiar but not something that you liked because that might get ruined by how hungover you are <laughs> Godzilla 50% of the profits after hosting costs uh, to actual Manatee Habitat Preservation via Defenders of Wildlife for the Nature Conservancy. Um, at certain Patreon levels, we send you the little donor gifts they send us uh, so you know we're not lying. Yeah. Little known fact, though, hosting costs are pretty exorbitant when I am a guest, so don't expect too much of that money to go towards manatees this time around. 
Yeah, most of it goes towards Anthony's rider. Yeah. Because the things he's in the green room are insane. It's crazy. I... Most weeks it's fun. Think like... Top of his game, 1960s rock star level. Yeah, the whole, like, the no-brown M&Ms and stuff, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's, oh, for me, it's, it's, it's green. I don't want the green ones. Although, apparently, that was more reasonable, that was, like, a test to see how attentive to detail they were. Oh, that's a weird test. Well, just because they had pyrotechnics in their show, and they knew that if, like, well, if they messed the M&M's up, maybe it's not safe to use them. Oh. It was, a, it was apparently a pretty clever thing. Huh. That's actually interesting. Yeah. At least something good came out of this, this, uh, podcast and this movie. <laughs> You <laughs> okay, well, that's going to do it for us. <laughs> Until next time, I've been Ben. And I have been Anthony. And this was Manimatis. And I love you. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> That's not fair. I just don't know them very well yet. It's possible I could. Open your heart, bro. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and good night. Brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash matineemanities. If you like what you've heard and like to hear more, consider becoming a patron. Donations start at just $1 a month, and half of all profits after hosting costs go towards actual manatee habitat preservation. You can listen to our podcast on iTunes, the Stitcher app, or on YouTube. Our music was composed by Kevin McLeod. You can find this track and hundreds of others on his website, incompetech.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>